This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning, it's John Moore. This is The Breakfast Wrap for this Wednesday, the 12th of April. The weather forecast for today, skies are expected to clear. It's going to be a little on the windy side, but the high, 25 degrees. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, Toronto is going to be on the hook for any FIFA overruns. Number two, the province offers cheaper hydro, but at a price. The energy minister is here at 8.20. Number three, Bell Cell not satisfied with the Rogers TTC deal. Number four, the Jays win their home opener. Number five, you could win Raptors tickets from Moore in the Morning today at 8.15. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. 5.08. Why am I thinking about Courtney Cox all of a sudden? Because she's in the video for this song, Nick Mayrano. Nice to have you back, sir. I know that we've had a bit of operator chaos because of illness, and hopefully everybody's better and back on their shift. Yes, uh, apparently so, and it was great to sleep until 5, but I'll tell you, it was weird to hear your voice from a speaker inside my house as opposed to here in the studio. There you go. You know, I always remember waking up one day from a nap, and this was years ago when I was working in Montreal, and I heard a report I had recorded being played in a newscast, and I instantly thought, why am I not in the studio? Anyway. Um, so the stuff to talk about today, one would be uh, an exclusive to the uh, Toronto Star, Ben Spur, writing about this. But I have a feeling people are going to be talking about this one all day and uh, for a few days, perhaps. It is a February 10th letter that was uh, handed over to the people at the Star or leaked to them about a deal between Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, which, for full disclosure, is uh, owned partly by Bell and partly by Rogers. Um, but the deal is over Toronto hosting the World Cup, which is the soccer match. Now, people are excited about this coming to Toronto. I have been a big supporter of it, and I don't normally have a high opinion of things like the Olympic Games or Expo or even the Pan Am Games, although that's much in the past. But the World Cup, I think, is going to be a huge hit. I hope it's going to be a money generator. But the details of this letter are, effectively, it all boils down to MLSE gets to keep the money if it turns a profit, and Toronto's on the hook if it doesn't. And, you know, all, I, I'm almost waiting for Jerry Agar to come barreling into the studio right now to offer his views on this. Um, now... The keeping the profits is up to $10 million. After that, if there's revenue in excess, it'll be split 60-40 in the city's favor. So this could turn out to be a good deal for the city. But I'm not a big fan of the idea of private companies running an event and entering into a deal with taxpayers, effectively, that would see taxpayers covering the losses if it doesn't quite work out. And I don't know what the business model of all of this is. We're trying to get in touch with Soccer Canada's Bob Richardson, who's a frequent contributor here, to see if you know the projections are already this thing is going to break even or turn a profit, in which case bring it on. But the idea of taxpayers having to backstop private enterprise, which is extraordinarily profitable in everything as concerns sport, uh, backstopping 
these enterprises in the event of losses for holding a glitzy event that is going to make a lot of people a lot of money. I mean, between beer sales and uh, all kinds of other things, it just strikes me as a lopsided deal, to say the least. So we'll continue to dig into that today. Be interesting to see what our pundit, Preet Banerjee, has to say. He's a money guy. He's going to be here at 6.20 this morning, and our pundits will offer their views at 7.45 and 8.45. The TTC deal for cell phone service in tunnels, the deal was struck with Rogers. Seems like Rogers and and other cell service providers are very much in the news this week. Um, is still causing reverberations. Almost everybody running for mayor has an opinion on it. But, you know, I don't want to disparage the mayoral candidates. They've got to find a way to stand out. And frankly, I'm glad that they're staking out their, ter- their territory and their opinions. But at the same time, my inbox is full of furtive and urgent messages from various campaigns saying, you need to have the candidate on. The candidate wants to talk about this, that, or the other thing. And it's like, okay, then, you know, it's great that you have an opinion about the TTC or how clean or dirty the city is, but it doesn't mean that we necessarily have to spring to and drop you into the studio in order to talk about it. But back to the Rogers TTC deal. And Bell, our own company, and again, you know, almost every story today involves some degree of corporate conflict, I guess. Uh, Bell issuing a statement, fairly tart, as a matter of fact. And Bell says the TTC should have launched an open bid contract rather than letting Rogers just assume control of Toronto's subway cellular service through a takeover. Uh, The city, quoting here, the city needs to show some leadership and mandate immediate access for all carriers so that all TTC customers can be served by the carrier of their choice right away. It now appears the subway project has once again been given to one party with no assurances that all wireless service providers will have access. And they're not wrong. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, what happened here? Is years ago, the city made a crap deal with this uh, BAI corporation in Australia. And the only deal that was ever made in the long run was for Wind, which is now Freedom Mobile, to be able to have cell phone service in a portion of the subway tunnels. And nobody else made a deal. And that may be due to corporate intransigence. I can't speak to it. But ultimately, when come, you know, uh, services all over the world, transit services all over the world have full access to all providers. We have not. And then only because Rogers bought BAI is Rogers now getting access. And then Bell and TELUS, I guess, are going to have to negotiate a deal with Rogers, which probably sticks in their craw because having to deal with your chief competitors and, and having to pay compensation to your chief competitors is irksome. So, yeah, um, the city probably should have done something about this an awfully long time ago, and they did not. And the result is that most of us do not have access. And in two years, I'd have to check the market share, but I think it's probably about, you know, 40 to 50% for Rogers, 40 to 50% will have access. And the other people will still be wondering if their cell phone providers are going to make a deal.
A lot of things to talk about today, including the stories we're going to get to in just a moment with our friends at CP24, our sister television station. Worth noting, Jay's one. Okay, time to say good morning to News Talk 1010's John Moore for what Toronto is talking about. Uh, John, let's kick off with some sports, some footy. It looks like in that sweetheart deal, the city of Toronto will reportedly be on the hook for the World Cup, not the MLSE. Yeah, this is a deal being reported upon by Ben Spur in the Toronto Star this morning. It's a February 10th letter of intent. And what it all boils down to is effectively, if MLSE loses money hosting the World Cup of Soccer, then the city is going to be on the hook for that. If they turn a profit up to $10 million, they get to keep it. After that, the city gets a split. But this is, I think, going to be seen as a bit of a sweetheart deal for one of these, you know, circuses not bred affairs in the city of Toronto. I'm a big boot of soccer coming to Toronto. This mm -hmm. is a joint affair between Canada, the U.S., and Mexico. But at the same time, this is the kind of deal, I think, that is going to fly in the face of an awful lot of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Exciting that it is coming here uh, in 2026. And turning to this, John, you know, it was less than a week ago that we saw that first hate-motivated incident at a Markham Mosque, and now another one. Just the latest in a series. As a matter of fact, it's worth mentioning on Sunday there was an attack, a graffiti attack, and a physical attack on a caretaker at a mosque in Montreal. But this is York Regional Police arresting a Richmond Hill man for an alleged involvement in a hate-motivated assault, another mosque in Markham, and this happened on Sunday. So just raising the concerns of people in the Islamic community about the mm -hmm. safety of their houses of worship. Yeah, very disconcerting indeed. And Ontario has introduced a new ultra-low overnight hydro uh, price plan, and Minister Todd Smith will be joining more in the morning at 8.20 a.m. to chat about this as well. He will, and I'll be very curious to tap into the structure of this deal, because you're going to be able to get overnight electricity for 2.4 cents per kilowatt hour, which is a considerable bargain. Mm -hmm. uh, overnight, incidentally, is uh, defined as 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. So a lot of people actually have appliances now that you can set in order to, you know, activate the wash or the dryer at 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, more so, this is going to apply, I think, to people who are charging electric cars while they sleep. But the flip side of this is you'll pay more for power at dinner time and in the evening and that's peak usage. Mm -hmm. Okay it'll be interesting to see how all this uh, works out and uh, it looks like the verdict is in. Yesterday was the Jays home opener at the Rogers Center and it looks like fans are digging the renovations. They are. There's a lot of little aspects to the renovation that people are grooving on. I mean, the biggest thing that everyone was talking about were these big decks that are kind of like outdoor patios. Um, but also, the important thing would have to be that the ex the I was going to say the Expos. I'm showing my roots. Uh, the Blue Jays <laughs> beat the Detroit Tigers 9-3 in their home opener. And yeah. they play again today. Exactly, in a bit of a comeback fashion, so that's always great for fans, makes the game exciting. And just in time for summer, it feels like we're in summer, but this is just a preview <laughs> of it. Uh, but, you know, time to talk about boating. It looks like Toronto and Hamilton are getting a boat sharing service. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of hooks here. You're going to have to take training, and it actually costs almost $500 a month in order to subscribe. But if you don't own a boat, you'll have access to boats. It's uh, called Skipperi, and it is affiliated with about a dozen different ports in and around Toronto. And the whole idea is it's mm. sort of like an Uber for boats, or, or maybe an Airbnb for boats. But you can book your boat, head out, and enjoy it, and you don't, you're not on the hook for all the maintenance and whatever 
whatever it costs to buy a boat in the first place. Hmm, that's interesting. At first I was like, does it come with a driver? Because some people might not be used to operating a boat and that could be a little uh, dangerous yeah. indeed. No, you do have to obtain a the license. training and oh, okay. the license. Yeah. Okay, important to note. All right, News Talk 1010's John Moore. Always a pleasure chatting. Have a great show and we'll talk with you again tomorrow. That's Jennifer Sheng over at CP24. And yeah, I was just going through my copy again, and it's $475 a month that you would have to pay to be part of this subscription series. But again, I mean, this is not something you'd enter into lightly. If you think you want to use a boat and use it frequently, then you have to go out and get the training, and then you'd be on the hook for the expense. But I can't think of a better way to have access to a boat, because otherwise you've got to go buy one, and then you've got to have a place to berth it. And then you got to maintain it. And in this case, you're just basically on the hook for four seventy-five a month and whatever gasoline that you use. And of course, you can go on a three-hour tour. So uh, let's take a short break, as a matter of fact, so we can kind of press the reset button because I've got I organized the show, you know, off the top so we can talk about a few things, most of which I think are very important. Then there's what Toronto's talking about. And then there's a whole bunch of other stuff that we're going to be talking about on our show this morning. And I kind of want to prioritize our lineup here. So we're back in just a sec. Just coming up to 527. We're giving away some tickets to the Raptors. I know everybody's talking about the Jays this morning, but the Raptors are still playing. And this is a magical time of the year where you've got basketball, baseball, hockey is still in session, um, golf, if that is your jam. And I mean, the only thing we don't have right now, because we've still got lacrosse, uh, the only thing we don't have right now is, is football. Although, wait a second, Nick Marano, help me out here. Um, when does soccer season begin? Because we don't have soccer games yet, do we? I believe we are on the cusp of that. I'll double check okay. that. Um, See, I'm, I mean, you're the great, you're the, you're the font of information, but I guess maybe I'm just assuming that because you're Italian that you're a soccer fanatic. And it's football, by the way. And I know where you parked your oh, car. Oh, you know what? I hate it when people get into that discussion. Because if I say football, you think about a bunch of burly guys throwing away a spherical uh, ball. And I get it. In Europe, if everybody understands it's football. But in North America, we're just going to continue to call it soccer. Okay. So back to the Raptors. Pair of tickets to see the Raptors play the Chicago Bulls. At the Scotiabank Arena. Do I understand this correctly, Joe? This is for tonight's game. Okay, so we're giving away tickets this morning for tonight's game. Okay, and we figured out a way to get the tickets into people's hands. Is it going to be a digital thing? I'm going to let the promotions department work that one out. Yeah, exactly. But I hate disappointment. You know, you've won a Sears down coat and three nights in Hamilton. Okay, so um, that's going to be happening at 8.15. It's going to be based on a trivia question that Joe has concocted. And uh, hope to make some people happy. you got to be free to be able to go to the game. It's also in my copy here called a play-in game. What does that mean? Do we know? That was what they told me. It could be a misprint for all I know. No, but no, I literally I've, copied and pasted that I've from the I've seen that phrase in numerous places. Nick, apparently you, you've got that look on your face like you already know what you're talking about. 
Yeah, so the Raptors need to win tonight, otherwise they go home. If they win, they'll play the loser of the other series that's playing in order for them to play into the playoffs. So it's like kind of like the uh, the warm-up, if you will. They need to win two games to go to the next round of the playoffs. All right. Let it never be said you don't learn something while listening to News Talk 1010. So that's 8.15 this morning. And if you'd like to go to a basketball game tonight, and, you know, it's always an event. And... It's going to be a pretty important one, a play-in game. So enough time to let you know that coming up in the next half hour, we'll have the five things you need to know. Going to talk about the latest cyber threat to your personal privacy. And this one's an interesting one because have you ever, I have, I've been in an airport and I've plugged my phone into one of those charging stations. And apparently, if somebody's up to no good, they can drain all the data out of your phone while they're pretending to charge it up. It's called, uh, what is it called? Juice jacking. Juice jacking. That was the phrase I was looking at. It's a good thing I have the two of you guys on the other side of the glass or I wouldn't get through any story. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Wednesday morning, 13 degrees. I'm pretty sure... This is the first time this spring that I have said at 5.35 in the morning that it's 13 degrees outside. I actually walked out of the house, got into the car, drove a few blocks, then looked at the thermometer on the dashboard, and I thought, that can't possibly be true. It can't be that warm. But actually, today, this crazy warming trend is continuing. Today's high is 25 degrees, which is like a day in June or July, but here it is happening in April. So I realize we knew this was coming, but we need to talk about the closure of Queen Street. The construction of the Ontario line is going pell-mell. I was driving by a tent that they erected at the west-south corner of Osgood Hall, and that's where those trees were, and they cut them all down. And now I'm assuming that that tent is all about the fact that they're getting ready for construction. What I find fascinating in all of that, because there was a lot of controversy about the cutting down of those trees, and I would imagine there's also going to be controversy about the fact that those uh, gates and walls around Osgood Hall, which are probably like 150 years old, are going to have to be adjusted in order to accommodate a new entrance into now a Queen Street interchange, because now the subway is uh, going to be intersecting because the um, university subway north-south is going to be intersecting with east-west Ontario line as it goes under Queen Street. And I had this thought the other day. I don't know if you remember, if you watched Breaking Bad, and I won't give you a spoiler, but there's one point where our chief villain slash hero shoots a guy and the guy's not dead yet. He's in a car and he's, it, it continues to travel and then it finally comes to a stop. And Walter runs to the side of the car and goes, I just realized I didn't have to kill you. And so that's what I'm thinking about all those trees at Osgood Hall because apparently somebody came up with an alternative design and so it's not, the plans aren't complete. But anyway, back to the impacts of the Ontario line, I think we're going to be talking about for years to come because there are going to be people who are going to grieve Um, The loss of some parkland, there are going to be property owners who end up being expropriated. We were talking earlier this week about a mall 
that is, or a plaza that is uh, being, all of the people there are being booted out. It'll be demolished and the Ontario line will arrive. Now, I realize, you know, with progress comes penalties. But at the same time, I hope we're getting this right. Because the expropriation of land is always going to be fraught. And it's always going to make people unhappy. But back to the Queen Street streetcar diversion. And it's not just streetcars. Starting May 1st. May 1st. So here we are. It's the 12th of April. So in three weeks, all vehicle traffic will be diverted off Queen Street from Bay Street to Young Street and from Young Street to Victoria Street for an estimated four and a half years. And I already have sort of surrendered, like driving in downtown Toronto is nigh on to impossible. But at the same time, okay, now we're shutting down Queen Street to vehicle traffic. King Street is not car friendly because you are not allowed to transit between Spadina and I think the cutoff is Church. Um, Adelaide and Richmond Streets, which would be alternatives to King and now closed Queen, are under construction. And I hope there's a long-term plan. The thing that I encountered one day this week, I think it was Monday, because I was trying to get home in time for a Zoom meeting, um, there are all these tiny little construction projects. It's just like they're working one corner. It doesn't matter. If you have to thin Richmond Street down to one lane, and that was the day where I leave the garage, the only direction I can go in is toward the west because you leave the garage you're on Richmond Street. Uh, Richmond Street is thinned to one lane. I can't turn north because they've shut down the one street I would use to get to Queen. So I turn south. I go down to Adelaide and I figure now I can drive back to university. I get to Adelaide. Adelaide is thinned to one lane. I finally get to university, go up university, and if you've been using it lately, you'll know on both sides, in both directions, university is thinned to one lane. This stuff was not supposed to happen. But I guess the problem is, if you start making a list of all of the reasons why you'd be doing construction, there are incidents where something's gone wrong. Then there is streetcar construction, um, sewer and water, um, road repair, reconfiguration of streetcar tracks, and it all comes together. And then, I mean, honestly, you get into hydro projects and gas projects. In my neighborhood, Young Street was repaved. It was beautiful for about two weeks because then they started digging it up for gas. Then they dug it up for water mains. Then they dug it up for some sort of an eruption. Then, they, and it, you know, now it's just this great big ugly patchwork. Anyway, know this, that Queen Street for four and a half years, which you know is six, is going to close as of May 1st. I think we're only just starting to appreciate how much disruption this is going to cause. And yes, when it's all done, we're gonna have a brand spanking new subway system, which for whatever reason, if I could just carp for one more minute, I'll never quite understand why we keep on building new rail transit, but we opt for different technology. So we're going to have this light rail system on Eglinton, which is nothing like the subway system. I can only presume we're going to use the same rail cars on the Ontario line, but who knows? And then we have the unfortunate situation that apparently the rail cars that we're using on Eglinton are the same ones they used in Ottawa. And 
Ottawa's, I, you know, there's growing pains and then there's disasters. And Ottawa, they've had derailments. They've had uh, cars shut down. Last week, they had to cut open a fence because the car, the, the rail car wouldn't work and they had to get people out of it. And the only way they could get them out of it was to cut a fence open. Um, so I'm hoping that things go better for us here. Uh, there was very good news yesterday. You know, let's not make everything about how awful life is. Uh, there was very good news yesterday shared by police that 42 people had been arrested and 422 charges laid and a whole bunch of weapons had been taken off the street. 173 firearms. Plus then you get into high capacity magazines, uh, 1400 rounds of ammunition, cash, narcotics, fentanyl, cocaine, all worth over $650,000. It's noted most of the arrested individuals, this is not that surprising, under the age of 33 are minors. But um, as one of the police officers at the press conference pointed out yesterday, you know, 173 firearms, the average gun is used in more than one crime. So this is actually a serious disruption to gun crime in Toronto and probably all of Southern Ontario. Remember a few years ago, the Toronto Star did a, I think it was the Star, uh, but they did a profile of one gun and how many crimes that it had been involved in. And it was astonishing how it was just handed from person to person. You may know that sometimes you can rent a gun you know, you know a guy and you give him a certain amount of money, you fire the gun, maybe you kill somebody, maybe you just hold up a bank, who knows, then you give it back. It's like a rental car. And so 173 guns off the streets, that's great news. Something we're going to talk about on the show today, I love this as a debatable, so it'll obviously be on the round tables at 745 and 845. But uh, at least one business improvement association and probably many others, but this is the one on the Danforth. They're asking for more time to pay off loans they got for the government in order to tide them over during um, COVID. And it's a compelling argument. You know, they say, listen, you know, you guys shut us down. Bars, restaurants, other establishments. We would have gone out of business, but the government loaned us money. But we need more time to pay it back because, yes, we got our business back. But these are loans we never expected to have. Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Going to be joined moments from now by NBC News radio reporter Aaron Real to talk about this business of the FBI now warning that if you plug your phone in in a public place to charge it, maybe more happening than just your phone getting a charge, somebody may be stealing your information. Speaking of charges, the energy minister will explain this policy because even I can't quite wrap my head around it uh, when he joins us at 820. I always think it's a bit like the way we used to buy cable and other things. Could you just come up with something where I pay for what I use? End of story. Now, the whole idea of changing the price of electricity at various hours is to, you know, convince people to change their habits. So you wash, you know, you put your clothes in the dryer just before you go to bed and you dry your clothes at a cheaper temperature or cheaper charge. 
Um, but the, the thing about this is they're lowering the price of electricity to an actually astonishing, this has to be almost below cost, an astonishing rate of 2.4 cents per kilowatt hour between the hours of 11 p.m. and 7 p.m. But you've got to sign up for this program. And if you do, then you're going to pay 59% more for power at dinner time and into the evening. Now, the whole idea of shaking up uh, pricing is to try to level out the use of electricity. There's a thing called the baseline. And the baseline is the electricity that is produced by nuclear power stations. And because you can't turn them off, then you know you have the nuclear power stations running. Then at peak demand, you fire up the gas power and then you salt in the solar power and the wind power and various other things and you come up with the amount of electricity that anybody's using at any given time. But if you can convince people to wash their clothes at night, uh, I'm trying to think of other things that you might do at night. Well, you'd charge a car moving forward as more and more people get electric cars. And if you can convince people to do those things in the off hours, then you get closer and closer to the baseline, which is the nuclear power, and then it's it's cheaper to produce in in the long run. So the whole system. Now I can't quite figure because we did have a program a while ago where the province could, if you volunteered for this, uh, tinker around with your air conditioning, for example. And if there was some peak demand on a summer afternoon, they could go into certain homes and tell the thermostat to turn things up a bit and use l less electricity. I don't know why we don't have programs like that all the time. So you'd get home five o'clock in the afternoon, plug in your car, but the computer would only start charging the car at 10 p.m. or 11 p.m. or something like that, so long as it could calculate that you'd have a full char charge by the morning. I imagine we are going to have that fairly soon, uh, but at the moment this seems a bit clunky. Do we have Aaron Rayal? We do have Aaron Rayal. Well, good morning to NBC News national radio correspondent Aaron Rayal. Nice to have you. Oh, it's good to be here. Thank you for having me. Okay, so uh, what do they call this? Juice jacking? This is where you plug your phone in in a public place to charge it, but something else may be going on. Yes, this is a scary one. So the FBI is warning consumers of this juice jacking and bad actors. They use these public charging stations to infect your phone and your device with malware. Not something you want. They say law enforcement agencies, um, specifically the FBI and the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, to avoid using these chargers at malls, at airports, and to stick with your own USB cable and charging plugs. So they say it's not the actual tower, but the plug. However, I would recommend using them for a bit. <laughs> I would recommend against using them for a bit. You know, even if you do have your own cord, it's probably best just to avoid for the moment. But if you have been hacked, because a lot of people use these, they have for the past couple months, if you've been traveling and something funky is going on with your phone, antivirus software, while it is meant to prevent the hacking, even if you didn't have a download previously, you can use it to remove the malware that's causing the phone hacking. So basically it puts it in something called a sandbox and theoretically the call is no longer coming from inside the house, <laughs> pun intended. Um, yeah, but it keeps your antivirus software um, up to date and, and continues running background checks. Contact any businesses that have your credit card, e-commerce businesses that have your bank account info. Delete any apps that you did not put on your phone. That's a big red flag. And then the last two are kind of a pain but important. 
factory reset your phone if you do a full factory reset it, it restores it to the settings you had you you had on it when you purchased it and then you have to change all your passwords i'm sorry that's such right. a pain but it has to be done okay i mean you know as an alternative just don't plug into somebody you don't trust but you were mentioning there are cords that are charge only they don't allow data uh, transmission they do I, I'm always skeptical of those. You know, they say it's the USB cord that's connecting, that's connected to these towers and malls and airports that is the problem and that is infecting your phone. So people are like, oh, well, voila, I'll just use my own cord. Yes, and you can. I think it's a it's risky given what's going on, but that that is usually the thing that is where the mal that is usually the location where the malware is and then you it's a workaround if you just use your own usb cord but it's a little risky because you don't know exactly how it got on there and then also a lot of the times you know hackers they resort to not using malware they can use legitimate programs to control your device they're they're called mirroring apps and they're commonly employed by scammers with the help of just a little manipulation so I listen, we have so much sensitive stuff on our phone. It's really difficult to determine where exactly the hack came from, where the malware came from, but but keeping your phone up to date, I'm guilty of not doing that as well. Uh, you know, trying to keep it up to date with the latest software to to fight malware and then use your own charger if you can. And they also have portable chargers you can buy and use. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Aaron. Good to have you. Thanks. Have a good day. Aaron Rael, NBC News Radio National Correspondent. Now, I would offer that I think the risk is low. You should be on the lookout for this. But it would have to be a bad player who has somehow bypassed the system. So, for example, you're in the Air Canada lounge. I'm pretty sure somebody hasn't figured out how to rewire that thing in order to siphon information off of your phone. But... Maybe you're in a mall, maybe you're in a, um, you know, a convenience store. There's all kinds of places where somebody, yeah, could possibly re-rig things in order to drain information from your phone. Aaron was talking about having your own charger. I actually carry a battery with me because I'm always afraid that, you know, like I'm going to be traveling and I have all of my... Um, all of the information I need, like to get to the rental car place or the hotel and it's on my phone, what if I run out of power? But the problem with those batteries is they weigh a ton. I think the battery I have weighs like a pound. It's 5.55, the 6 a.m. news dead ahead, and we'll set the table for what's coming up in the next half hour, including scandal or not scandal. That's The Breakfast Wrap. Thanks a lot for listening. My name is John Moore. I hope we'll talk again soon. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.